Hello again, this is Monica Pitts. And Katie Gwen. Welcome to Marketing with Purpose. Now, I am so super duper excited to finally have Katie back with me again. This is our first like virtual recording session. It's exciting. So if we have awkward pauses, that's why we can't see each other. Blame technology, which is what we're here to teach you about. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we're here to record part three of reviewing marketing data to make decisions. Now, we plan this series to empower marketers and business owners to lean into their marketing data because I find that people just straight up ignore their marketing data because they're uncomfortable with it. They don't know where to start. They don't even know what metrics mean, really. And so if you're one of those people and you feel like you're just flushing your money down the toilet with your marketing because you don't even know what's working and what's not, then you have come to the right place because this series is just for you. You can just call me your data plumber. We are going to dig into the four things that you really need to know to get control over your marketing data. We'll start with what to review. Then we'll talk about tools that will make that review easier. Third, I'll interpret all the metrics you really need to know. And last but not least, I'm going to go over how often you even really need to review this stuff. I want to clear up your confusion over this data so you can knock out your excuses to skip the review step. No more money flushing for you. Mm-mm. We're going to make decisions on what worked and what didn't work. We're going to market with purpose. Let's get started. If you're a natural born marketer, you're one lucky son of a gun. If you're like most people, marketing, especially online marketing, is about as appealing as standing in a police lineup. The May Create team of creatives has transformed websites and digital marketing from craptastic to fantastic since 2005. Our podcast, Marketing with Purpose, makes sense of marketing so you can make purposeful decisions instead of carrying on with the same old crap you've been doing. And now your host, Monica Pitts, founder of May Create, with another episode on how to make your marketing not suck. So today we're talking about reviewing your email marketing data. We're going to go through what to review, tools to make that review easier, how to interpret your metrics, and how often to review. Yeah, and this is a lot of intangible stuff that I myself as a visual person prefer visuals for. So I actually prepared a little goodie bag for everybody that will be included on this episode's link on our website. So all you have to do is go to podcast.makecreate.com. For your party favors, uh, they do include links to the websites and services that we're going to talk about. Um, And there's also an offer for a free guide for reviewing your email marketing data. Katie is such a party planner. She really is. (laughs) You know, at my wedding, I was told I should be a wedding planner. And I said, who would want to do this for a living? (laughs) (laughs) But you always have the cutest little things. I mean, like when you designed the pages for our podcast and at the bottom you put episode goodie bag, I was like, this is the cutest thing ever. Just just came to me. And so don't forget episode goodie bag out there just for you. All right, let's get down to business. So we're going to start at the top with number one, what to review. Now, just a quick reminder, we are reviewing your marketing data pyramid style. So starting at the bottom, that's your plan. It's all the activities that you'll execute to implement the marketing plan. That's things like 
did you send your emails? And then at the narrow top is the end goal of your campaign. And that defines your most important metric. For most people, it's going to be increasing sales. So as you're reviewing your emails, you want to make sure down at the bottom, you ask yourself, did you do them? And then how did they work? That's the middle of your pyramid. And up at the top, did you sell anything from them? Before you start reviewing, you'll need to determine your key metrics for what to look for. Those key metrics are going to be your success indicators. So if you just go into the interface to review your metrics and you don't have any idea what you're looking for, it's either going to be really overwhelming. Um, it could possibly be an amazing journey, but it's going to be also really time consuming. So it's important to know what to look for. I will say, though, that email of all these interfaces is the least overwhelming. So you've got that going for you. And the first major indicator of success for email marketing as I said earlier, it's just sending the email. And then you're going to look and see if people opened it. And then if they clicked on your offering. And last but not least, did they do what you wanted them to do on your website? So there's a lot of components that you can review and tweak based on what you find. Anything from the subject line to the content in the email, all the way down to the landing page content. The key metrics that I look at for my email marketing accounts are, of course, the number of emails that are sent, the email list size, bounce rate, open rate, click-through rate. And then of course, I go over to the website and I look at the email website traffic and I will list all of those metrics in a minute when I cover them because I just want to focus on what's in your email software right now. So like these metrics that I'm talking about, now remember, I'm an art director, I'm the business owner. So I look at the big metrics the most often. And then based on those key metrics, I might or might not look into the subject lines or what links we had in the actual email to see how it performed the way that it did. I seldom look at who exactly opened the email or what day or time they opened it because that's something that Katie would be more likely to do or the person who is set to respond to the email. So if it's a sales push, it might be one of those people. If it's an account service push, it would be one of those people. I'm just more concerned that I can make a decision about my marketing and whether it's working or not. And then I let the other really smart people on my staff choose the right subject line and the email content. So that way the campaigns are awesome. Yeah, details. <laughs> Okay, moving on to number two, tools that make it easier. With so many other things that we've spoken about, there are lots of tools to make your life easier. And with email stuff, it's, you know, you, you definitely need to have Google Analytics because you're going to want to look at it and, and see what people did on your website. Mm-hmm. And then I always like looking at stuff using Google Data Studio because it gives you a very nice picturesque sortable interface. And then you just have your email software. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, and I won't go too deep into that right this very second, but I will say we use MailChimp and they have a very robust reporting analytic kind of setup. So it's great. Um, others may not be as great. So that's my disclaimer on that. We also have an account with Emma and they have a really nice reporting software that's super detailed. Both of them go. It's true like through so many metrics that you're like, whoa, I'm not even sure what to do with all of these. But the, also the thing that I really love about them is you can send an email and let's say that you're doing a sales push and you're doing it to your past clients. So you can send these emails and then you can go back in and look at the data and see exactly who opened them or who clicked on them. And that helps you as a salesperson to know with who you should follow up. Makes sense. 
Now, one of the party favors that you will find in our episode goodie bag is a link to a data studio report that you can clone. Katie and I love Google Analytics and we have sat through hours worth of training on how to use this software. And it's super robust, but it can get confusing fast. Mm -hmm. And so I made a data studio report for each one of our clients. That way you can just use dropdowns and easily sort the information in Google Analytics so you can see what's actually just happening from your email traffic. So I'm going to have a link. Well, I say I'm going to have a link, but really Katie makes the goodie bag. So Katie's going to put a link <laughs> for you. <laughs> I'm doing it. So go check it out, especially if you're not an analytics expert. <laughs> so that brings us to number three, what each item means. So the first thing I've already mentioned this is the number of emails sent. And what I mean by that is like, how many emails did you send in the given time period that you're reviewing for? And the reason that I keep saying it's important is because it will skew your data one way or the other. If you send five emails or 50 emails, there's a difference in the amount of activity that comes from those. And if you're looking at it over the course of a month, you could get much different data back. So the second thing you're going to look at is email list size or list growth rate. So when I say email list size, I just mean how many people are in your email list. Now, list growth rate is a nice indicator. The list growth rate is a measurement of how fast your email list is growing. To get the calculation, if you will, for that, you basically take your new subscribers, you subtract from that your unsubscribers and your hard bounces, and then you divide it all by the size of your list. Gives you a percentage. It's a, Yeah, I mean, which I love. I'm a math person. Basically, your list growth rate is a sign of whether or not your email campaign is healthy. So if it's a you know low growth rate, then it's probably not as healthy as one with a high growth rate. The average lifespan of an email address is only like 18 months-ish. So, I mean, email, emails just go bad over time due to job changes or forgotten passwords. Um, those are fun. Email program switches, stuff like that. But the average turn rate of an email is 25% annually. So it's important to add new subscribers to your list to replace the ones that you've lost. I just cannot believe that the lifespan of an email address is only 18 months. Like, I that's like a toddler. <laughs> I know. I have had my email address always since I was 16. <laughs> that's crazy. I know. No, like the, I guess the standard lifespan is like in dog years to your email. It really is. <laughs> is that right? Is that the right analogy? I don't know. Well, my family owned an internet service provider that I've operated with through the entire business of owning MayCreate. And so mm -hmm. when I got my first email, it was from their, their internet service provider. And then from there, I just used that same email and I just started forwarding it to my MayCreate address. Dang. I can't say that. I have like 40 email addresses that are of all different ages. <laughs> it's one big family. Which means I've actually had the same email address for 24 years. <laughs> That's insanity. I know. I don't think I have had one for half that long. Oh, so things to watch out for with this list size. So Katie and I, we learned the hard way. We, we skipped a part of our process when we were launching our new website two years ago. And when we were reviewing our marketing data, we realized that our email list growth rate was like not just plateauing. It not was happening. Backwards. <laughs> it was like it wasn't growing at all. It was declining. So make sure that you have an email sign up form on your website. 
This is important. Yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. to without one, you won't get new emails. <laughs> so the next metric that you're going to look at is your bounce rate. Now, the bounce rate is the percentage of total emails sent that could not be delivered to your recipients' inboxes, and it includes hard bounces and soft bounces. So hard bounces are emails that are permanently undeliverable, and it could be because there's a non-existent address or somebody closed their email account, or maybe you just spelled it wrong. And then a soft bounce is an email that gets to the recipient's email server, but it couldn't be delivered. You could encounter a soft bounce if the recipient's inbox is full or like if the server is overloaded, if your message is too big, or if it's spammy, don't do that. Spammy. Yeah. It's marked as spam. <laughs> Ew, not the meat. Not the meat spam. Um, if you if you want to calculate your spam, and I- Not your spam, your bounce rate. <laughs> uh, you you want to- Don't calculate your spam. Your ba- don't calculate your spam. It's all 100% awful. Um, your bounce rate though, if you want to calculate that, you take your hard bounces, which is what Monica was saying is the permanently undeliverable and you divide those by your list size. So the really nice thing about the bounce rate measurement is that it's kind of sets the stage for your email campaign success or failure. Cause if you can't get your messages to your recipients, they won't be able to click on anything in it or read any of the cool root words that you wrote. But I will say that bounce rates, they vary by industry and list size, but should always like ideally be under 5% if possible. Two reasons why bounce rates can be really high. One would be if you buy or you borrow a list from somebody, you would could have a really high bounce rate because they might not be accurate emails. And then the second one, which you shouldn't do that anyway. That's lame. Those people didn't yeah. say they wanted to talk to you. You're kind of like, you know. It grosses me out. Yeah. It's yeah. lame Don't gross me out. Don't gross me out. I think out. we did a podcast about this once. I think we did too. Yeah. <laughs> long ago I guess we could look it up <laughs> <laughs> we have a website we could look at yeah yeah I'm pretty sure that we covered this stuff underneath six tips for crafting a killer email that's episode five you can go check it out there podcast.makecreate.com also okay so the second reason that your bounce rate might be super high is if you just haven't sent an email out in a while because once again that you know 18 month window of an email address being good, people might have switched jobs or something and they're not in, you know, they're not receiving that email anymore. So then you would have a higher bounce rate if you're not sending often. Okay. So the next piece. So the next metric you're going to look at is your open rate. Your open rate is the percentage of recipients who opened and looked at an email. And a lot of people rely on it, but it isn't really the most accurate measure of your email marketing success or failure. It's not a super complicated metric either in terms of how to get to it or get that number. You want to take your email sent, subtract your bounces from that, and then you take your emails opened and divide it by that number. So let me repeat that in like order. Emails opened divided by emails sent with bounces subtracted from how many emails were sent. It's, I mean, visually it makes more sense than describing it. So I apologize. But what's nice about it is it'll show you how much your audience cared about your email, how many people opened it. And so that's really good to know that on average, an open rate for a campaign can be anywhere from 20 to 40%. I will say it, it just depends on the quality of your email subscribers. So it's not always a true measure of your success in terms of your email campaign. Now, the reason why it's not reliable is because if you don't include images in your emails, then you can't measure your open rates. When an image downloads, that's when it considers the email to be opened. Hmm. 
And some mobile devices read email in text format only. And so if somebody opens your email, it might not be reported back as open. And then the other piece of it is that whether or not somebody opens your email is, I mean, it's really reliant on your subject line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a good one. If anyone cares about it, they're going to click on it. There's some really nice features in multiple different email providers now where you can test out two different subject lines and it'll send them out to part of your audience. And then depending upon which one behaved better, it will send the rest of your audience the email with the favorable subject line. So you might consider using one of those because really like that's the first trick. After you send the email, you got to get people to open it. And whether or not they open it is completely dependent upon your subject line, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I agree. Do you think that open rate varies at all based on the time of day or day of the week? I don't know. I mean, I was looking over a report that was offered on Campaign Monitor and they have pretty specific metrics on it. I didn't dig far enough into it to really be able to answer that question. Part of me thinks yes and part of me thinks no, because I don't check my email all the time. I'm not in it constantly. So you can send me an email today and I might not get to it till tomorrow because I've already finished checking my email for the day because that's how I operate in my email. But if you're somebody who's in your email all the time, then it might matter to you. I do wonder as well, like the difference between your work email and your personal email. So if they're business to business versus business to consumer, I would think that varies because I'm only in my personal email when I absolutely have to be during the day or really in general. (laughs) But work email, I'm in it, you know, in and out all day. So I would be more reachable there if that makes sense. Yeah. So then if I'm hearing you right, I feel like you're saying time of day and day of the week doesn't matter quite as much in your personal email because you're only in there when you're in there. And then it's even more important that they have a good subject line because you're less likely to open emails because there's so many of them because you're not in there very often. Yes. And I have so many, (laughs) so many right now, especially with school emails and all that stuff. So. Make your subject line good. Oh my goodness. The school emails, I get like four a day. I get like set, well, plus dance and all, whatever my my daughter's doing right now, whatever either one of them is doing virtually, we get like 40 emails a week for both of them plus school. So anyway, you see my point. (laughs) Yes, definitely. I do like though that they're sending me emails and they're not just expecting me to check a Facebook page. So thank you public school system for realizing that Not all of us are going out to Facebook and waiting to figure out what you're doing for you to post something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you for alerting me via email, which is something that I use regularly. (laughs) All right. So the next part of your email marketing metrics that you're going to look at is the click-through rate. The click-through rate is the proportion of subscribers who clicked on one or more links in an email message. Yeah, it's a really easy metric to calculate. It's just your total number of clicks divided by your emails delivered. Um, The click-through rate can help you determine if your email is relevant, if the message that you're using is compelling to the recipient, if it compels them to take any action. And these rates can differ greatly, though, by the type of email you're sending. So it is important to compare your click-through rates based on your email types. So for instance, we have transactional emails have super high click-through rates, especially for MayCreate, because we send emails. If someone comes to our website and they download an offering, they get an email with the offering in it. So you better believe those are real high. 
everyone's clicking to get to that PDF. But if we're announcing a new marketing thing that we're doing and inviting people to register for a webinar, our click-through is not as high just because the messaging is very different and it's just the goal is different. And there are some things that you can look at if your email click-through rate is super low. You could see, I mean, do you have a link in there? I know it sounds insane, but sometimes you might forget. But then too, I feel like you can have more than one link. I wouldn't make the entire thing just link, 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 because that's Mm going to send you in spam. But having a couple text links is a really good way to make sure that you do have people clicking through because... And I say text specifically because if you're putting all your links on images and they're checking it on mobile and they're not downloading those images, then they're not going to see your links. And that'll make your click-through rate far lower. And let's be real with ourselves. A lot of people are checking their email on their mobile device, especially Mm -hmm. their personal email. So pay attention to those things. So the next place you're going to go after you're done, all of those things, you find those in your email marketing software. Then you're going to hop over to your website because your website always gives you another layer of data for each digital marketing activity you do. And digital marketing is tricky because it has so many parts. So for example, you can review how many visitors come to your website because of your email and how they interacted with the content on your site. If people are opening your emails and they're clicking through, then you've got the email creation part down and you're like killing it. But if they're not staying on your site to read your content, then your website is actually where the problem lies. And you might not have looked at your website and you might just be looking at, oh, look, people open the email, but there's nobody converting. So there must be something wrong with your email. No, your email is great. It's your landing page. That's a pile of crap. So (laughs) (laughs) to put it bluntly. Yeah. Hey, I'm saying I'm just over here. You it like can't just be mildly stinky, but for the most part, this one's a pile of crap. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. All right. So the challenge though, with tracking email on your website, let me say that differently. You're not tracking email on your website. You're tracking visitors that arrived on your website by clicking on a link that's inside of an email. Mm-hmm. This is tricky because Sometimes Google Analytics recognizes that traffic as coming from an email and other times it recognizes the traffic as coming from a referral source. So you get it mixed in two different places, in email and in referral sources. I know this because I'm crazy and I was (laughs) digging through referral sources on an online giving campaign that we run and I was like, wait a second, that's Gmail. That's Outlook. That's the university email. That's the hospital email. That's okay. So I could go down the list. But what it was is all these people were on webmail and they clicked on the link in their webmail. And then when it came into Google Analytics, Google said, oh, well, that came from a website. So it's a referral source. And that was a lot of traffic from the emails that we sent. So I compile the list because next year when I go through and audit all the email traffic from this campaign, I want to make sure that I can filter it all by these URLs and I will include that list. Um, well, I say I, once again, I will She's get trying to take list. my job. I will give that list to Katie and she will put it in your goodie bag so that way you don't have to sort through. Uh, it's super good though because that email list that we were emailing was to over 5,000 people. So we got a lot of different webmail providers in that list. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. Now, if you're sending your stuff through MailChimp, there is a box that you have to check that will... I mean, it basically sets up tracking. Yeah. So it will properly track each campaign that you send through MailChimp once you have it set up. But first you have to hook up your analytics account with MailChimp. And then for each email that you send, you have to check the box or else it's not going to record that it was part of that email campaign. Yeah, it's fun. You even get to name whatever the tracking is. You get to just put your own label on it. So it's fun. You have all that control. And if you don't label it, it will come back with a string of letters and numbers and you will have no idea what it is. That says MailChimp automation underscore one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was that email? Well, it was automated. Don't let it automate, yo. (laughs) Put in the name. (laughs) You want your emails to automate, not your tracking labels. So when you're in Google Analytics, you only want to look at the traffic that came in from email. So the first thing that you're going to do is sort your traffic. So of that data, first, you're going to look at sessions. That's going to let you know how many people actually arrived at your site because of your email. Then you're going to look at the time on site and the pages per visit. And those two things are going to tell you how people behaved on your site. You want time on site and pages per visit to be pretty close to, if not better than, the way people behave when they come from Google from organic search. Because those organic visitors are usually the people who are out seeking knowledge and looking to make buying decisions. They came to your website because they searched for something that brought them there. So they came of their own accord. If people get to your website and they're not spending hardly any time on the page and they're not going to any other pages, that means that the content that you provided them either is misaligned and it doesn't deliver on what they thought it would, that's not good because we wanted them to go and take action. So the next thing that you're going to look at is device. As I said, there's so many people checking their email on a mobile device. And if people aren't behaving well, then maybe your website sucks for mobile. and You should probably (laughs) go look at that landing page and see what it looks like on a mobile device. Mm -hmm. But then also you can tell, oh my gosh, 50% of this email traffic came from a mobile device. So I need to really make sure that I format that email to look really good on mobile. Most email marketing softwares have the ability for you to adjust your display on mobile. So then the next thing that you'll look at is events and conversions. So if you have conversions or events set up on your website, you just want to see what email brought in the most conversions. And if you have money attached to it, you can see which ones are creating the most revenue. Like, for example, we know that of all of the emails for the month-long giving campaign that we run for our local nonprofits in December, the emails that Katie makes bring in the most money out of any emails. Whoop, whoop. Because I can see it in Google Analytics. Yeah, because Katie Love is it. pretty much BA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do it all by myself. I don't have anyone's help. It's all me. <laughs> That's a lie. It's a whole team of people. She's, she's an island. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So then as you're digging deep, and I wouldn't do this every single time that I review um, how email visitors act on my website, but every so often I would go out and see what the most viewed pages are that are coming in from email. Like, did they just go to the links that you gave them or are they going to more pages in your site? And then which pages are they going to? Because then you can kind of get a picture of what these visitors are after. And if they're only going to the one link that you gave them, Why? Did you 
not ask them to go someplace else. Because sometimes when you send out an email and you're asking somebody to buy, they're not ready to buy. So give them other step that they can take. Maybe you look at your pages and realize you never gave them the alternate step to take. You know, read more or download this free guide. All right. So now we know what to review, right? We know what our key metrics are and we know what tools we're going to use. So how often are we going to do this? (laughs) Once every five or 10 years. That's what I would do. (laughs) Just kidding. That's not true. I love numbers. (laughs) Every day. Is that right? That could be right though, Katie, because think about it. When we send out emails for an active campaign where we're asking people to really do something, not an email newsletter, but sign up for a webinar or go give a donation, we're out looking at it often. Yeah, I won't lie. I've been checking our webinar stuff just to you know, see how it's doing. I'm so it's my baby, you know? I care. So when you're doing a marketing push, I feel like You could go out into your email marketing software and a few days after you send your email, you could definitely look at it and review what's going on. Like, And if you're going to send out another email on the heels of that email, you're going to want to look at how the first one did to see if you need to change stuff for the following emails, right? Yep. But if you look at it like right away, right after you send it, then you're going to miss a lot of action because not everybody opens the emails right away or checks their email promptly. They're now... If we're not doing a marketing push and we're just sending newsletters, then we're going to review that data monthly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Weekly sounds like a good idea if you're real small and you don't have a lot else going on, but we're busy people. So we look at it monthly and we only have four emails a month to look at for those. So it's not anything too overwhelming. And we keep it in a spreadsheet. So that way we can see month over month what happened, if it changed and It's helpful because then we can look at that data and go, oh, wow, this month we did a lot better than last month. What was the information that we sent out this month versus last month? And kind of see what our audience is more into. Because really, we just want to send more stuff that they like, right? Mm -hmm. I realize if you have not been doing email marketing for a long time, then you're not like us. You don't have all this information to compare month over month, right? So if you're new... Or even if you're existing and you haven't looked at it for a while, you should probably look at industry benchmarks. For example, if you're in the construction industry, then you would probably have an average open rate of around 22%. If you were in marketing, you would have an average open rate of around 17%. While if you're a nonprofit, it's closer to 25%. So even if you've been doing it forever, it's good to look at the industry benchmarks. Is this like an all-encompassing average for, you know, transactional and promotional and newsletters and all of all of the goodness together? The numbers that I just quoted are from MailChimp. And so they are all of the emails that are sent from the industry of construction or marketing or nonprofit. Yeah. So it would be all of it. It would be both. So D, all of the above. Yeah, gotcha. because you're right. I mean, I, I yeah. Different types of emails have different open rates. I'm curious. I send a lot of different kinds. So when I'm benchmarking, I like to know because we have our client list and then we have our newsletter list and those are very different rates. So I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Our clients are much more likely to open their emails. <laughs> Thank you, clients. Because they know us. They care about us. Thank you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what's interesting, though, is for our clients, The emails that they are most likely to open 
are the emails where we're just writing fluffy things about ourselves. So with every new hire, we have a meet this new person email. And those are some of the best emails that we send all year. True. Or if somebody has a baby yeah. or if somebody gets a new puppy. I was going to say pu- puppies and babies every time. Puppies and babies. <laughs> Everybody loves them. We also have great open rates on other types of emails too, where we're really hitting home on something that people are very interested in. And that's why you review your data. So that way you know, hey, these people are interested in this stuff. I should write more things like it. Now, if you want to go out and find benchmarks, MailChimp, as I said, offers email marketing benchmarks, and we'll include that link in the goodie bag. And then Campaign Monitor also has their ultimate email marketing benchmarks for 2020 by industry and day. And that one is pretty robust, and they have like pictures and stuff in there. So, you know, kudos to them. It looks really nice. There's just something about the word ultimate that gets, yeah. Gets me excited. I feel like I need to like study it, like a term paper. Whoa. (laughs) That sounds really boring. (laughs) Now, the other thing to note too is the frequency with which you send your emails will definitely impact the way that people interact with them. So we did a science experiment where for one year we emailed everyone every time that we wrote a blog post. And then we flipped over and we sent one email a week that had links to all the blog posts that we did that week in it. And what was interesting is that really (laughs) over time, it all evened out. Like what we were trying to do was raise our click-through rates. But over time, it all evened out. And I think one of the reasons why it evened out was because Katie started really paying attention to what the title of the email was going to be. So even though we automate our email marketing Katie, and I'm, I'm talking like you're not even in the room. Hey, Katie. I'm right here, Monica. Yeah. Hey, can I tell it? Yeah, can I tell the story? It. Tell them. I sound like my kids. Tell it. Uh, I want to tell. So basically, we will release up to two blog posts a week is our goal. And the way our email campaign is set up to go out is it, it sends automatically on a certain day at a certain time. It's tied to our website. So it looks at our website and it's saying, hey, website, what have you done in the last week? I'm going to put you in my email. The most recent blog post that's published before that email goes out will be the subject line of the email. So we just time it in a way that hits that email so that people who see the subject line will open it and do some clicking around in there. So she picks what she feels like is the very best of our blog posts to publish right before the email goes out. So that way, the title of that blog post is actually the title of our email. And that does help with open rights. I'm saying. Yay. Yay. I'm doing my job. Uh, that was not very succinct. <laughs> Hopefully everybody follows that. <laughs> I, you know, it's hard out there sometimes. Okay. So before we think of any other crazy stories to tell you, let's wrap up, right? <laughs> so no more excuses. You now have what you need to review your email marketing. You know what to review. You know the tools to make it easier. You know how to interpret your metrics. And you also know how often to review. Now, if you want to hear all about how to review your website or your social media data, like if some of the things that I spoke about when I talked about reviewing website visitors from email, if that didn't make any sense to you, go back over to part one of our series where we cover how to review your website data. Part two is how to review your social media data. 
And I'm hoping that for our next for our next installment of this series, I can wrangle Sean, our Google Ads expert, to come and tell us what to look for in our Google Ads data. That would be like a bonus episode because I really only intended to do three of these. And then I thought to myself, no, I mean, you should probably know how to tell if you're getting taken to the cleaners by your Google Ads manager, yeah. right? Like, yeah. While I don't necessarily know that you should be managing it on your own because it is a complicated monster. You should definitely know if it's working. I hope to talk about that in the near future. I think that's important. So (laughs) we talked about a bunch of intangible stuff today. So if you need visuals, you need to check out this episode's goodie bag. There's going to be lots of stuff in it. And Katie prepared a party favor just for you. She included links to the websites and services that we talked about in this episode. And there's also a free guide to reviewing your email marketing data. So hop on over to podcast.makecreate.com because your party favor awaits. Now, I do have a teeny tiny favor to ask. If you enjoyed this episode or maybe learned a thing or two, subscribe or give us a quick review wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening to Marketing with Purpose. Head over to maycreate.com, M-A-Y-E-C-R-E-A-T-E.com. Yeah, you heard me right, M-A-Y-E-Create.com for podcast notes and more resources to grow your business. Don't let your marketing suck. Get your pride on, market with purpose.